All right. I don't know how to do it. Do it. Uh, Say it. Well, welcome back to the Let's Talk About God podcast. This is episode 14. Was that good? That was great. Did that like kind of keep it? I tried to change the vocal inflection, but it was, I mean. But you got to still say the same same thing thing every every time. time. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Well, today's podcast, we're going to give you the topic in a second. We'll hopefully be happier than the last one. But we hope that you enjoyed the podcast on hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We talked about the real sobering one last yeah. time. This one's going to be a little lighter. We're going to try and lighten the mood up a little bit and, you know, kind of – that way you can kind of balance it. Listen to the one on hell and listen to uh, today's one. But, yeah, but uh, first, you know, how are things going? I'm going to ask you. You always ask me, how are things going? How's life treating you? Oh, things are going well. Got a busy week this week, but it's good. Um, you join summer. You got a birthday coming up. Got a birthday next month, and then well, just I guess it'll be this month if you're listening to it now. Yeah, this month, and then in just a couple more months, you got an anniversary. I know coming up one year. Getting wild. Time just seems like it's moving by. You're an old so fast. You're an old merry man. I know. You get that one year anniversary under your belt, and then it's just you know from there it just keeps on moving on. That is just crazy. It is wild. It's just. I can't believe I got married almost a year ago. I can't even believe it's July right now. I can't even know what's happening with time. It's just going by so fast. It has zipped by really, really fast. It is just, it's just crazy right now. But um, how's things going with you? Um, Golfing a little bit? Yeah. I had a crazy thing um, last month. Somebody stole my golf clubs. Um, Doesn't that make you mad? Uh, it does. I, if there's two things that make me mad, it's a thief and a liar. Um, and somebody, I, I keep, I used to, I don't anymore now (laughs) keep them in the garage or somewhere else, but I would keep them in the back of my truck, but I have a cover on my truck Mm. and I was helping your brother with a project and we had to have a trifold. And so I had folded it back and just didn't close it back up and was running around a couple errands and just really didn't think about it. And I mean, it happened that quick that I was in a parking lot. I don't know where. I can't figure it out, yeah. uh, but somewhere. And I guess somebody saw them laying there and reached over my truck and pulled them out. That's ridiculous. And, uh, oh, and then if you try to replace golf clubs, it's expensive. And then it's you're so used to your clubs, and now you got to get new clubs mm-hmm. and whatever. But I did get new clubs, and um, I got clubs that I really like, and I've been up, uh, knock on wood right now. Hit, I'm hitting them really good, playing good. So. Nice. Uh, and I'm just glad I can play golf because some of our listeners know I have I have a bad back. And five years ago, when it was at its worst, I was debilitated. You remember? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was sitting in a chair preaching. Remember when they yeah. had to go up on the stage and sit on a chair through pain and preach? And I thought I'd never golf again. So mm-hmm. every time I finish 18 holes, um, I always look up to heaven and just say, God, thank you that I could play today. It just made me real appreciative. Yeah. But I'm- anyway – I'm a big top golf goller, golfer, you know, not That's a goller. Fun. So. I got to go yet. You really should go. Yeah. It's fun, cause especially since you can actually hit it. I'm starting to figure it out like a little. I'm not saying that I'm something, but there have been times when instead of just like hitting the ball and it just rolls off, like there's a bit of an arc there. Oh. It actually goes. So I'm taking my time there, you yeah, know, maybe we- maybe get out on a real – Golf course at some point. Well, you know, you're a preacher. Preachers have to learn how to play golf. Got I mean, to learn how to play golf. You know, that's it. And then your wife has to be able to fry chicken, sing alto, and play the piano. She's a preacher's <laughs> wife. But not that's all. Funny. But not all at the same time. Not all at the same time. I mean, that'd be impressive though yeah. if she could. That'd well, be kind of wild. A lot of preachers' wives they can fry chicken, play alto, sing alto, and play the piano. So 
I don't know, though. A lot of people, I feel like they come home and they're angry after they play golf. <laughs> it, it will try your sanctification. It will. It's like, do I really want to test that? Do I want to? Maybe it makes you better, you know? Maybe yeah. it. For 18 holes, it gives the devil a break. He says, ah, they're going to do it all by themselves. Yeah, I won't have to, I don't I don't have have to, to do intervene. one thing today. Yep, they're <laughs> going to make it life rough for themselves. That's funny. But no, Top Golf is a lot of fun because you don't you get to eat while you do it. You don't have to walk to your cart. You're just there. Yeah. The GPS tracks it. You know, it's great. And then you just drive over to Frankie's if you want to hit a putter. But you hit everything else Top Golf. So. Oh, that's good. You know. Anyways, that has nothing to do with today's nothing episode. Nothing to do with today's topic. Today, we are talking about a happy topic, a good topic. We're going to talk about the rapture, um, which is going to be kind of the opposite um, of, of last episode. So um, today's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, really get some some good news as we're talking about the rapture. Um, so I know I always give my definition first. Give me your 30-second definition of the rapture. Well, the rapture um, is the catching away uh, to heaven of those both dead and living who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior and are awaiting his return. That's good. I don't think I'd really like change anything. I, I think it's interesting. I read the the Latin term for like snatching away or catching away is rapio. So that's kind of how we get rapture from that Latin term. That's where that comes from. That catching away of the saints. And I think we need to address that right off the right out the gate. The word rapture is not in the Bible. No, it's not. So we need to make that clear. But neither is the word Trinity. Mm-hmm. So there are some words we use that describe things that are in the Bible. There's still the concepts. Concepts that are in the Bible. We mm-hmm. just give them a, a, a word to define them. Yeah. So you're right. The Greek word uh, rapio means to be caught up in something. And so when you are caught up in something, you're, you're raptured. Mm-hmm. Okay. It can be snatched away or caught away. And so in our English language, when you're caught up in the moment, it's, you're caught up in the rapture of the moment. And that's, that's why it, the, the word rapture was connected with this concept. But, but the Greek word means to be snatched out of, to be forcefully brought out, uh, out of something. And so the concept is that there is a day coming when Jesus Christ is going to resurrect the righteous dead. Mm-hmm. And then snatch up the living saints to heaven mm-hmm. to be with him forever. And there is a scripture that actually two scriptures that give this to us. And the first one is first first Thessalonians chapter four, verses thirteen through eighteen. Yeah. And I'll read it. Okay. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, or ignorant about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And fallen asleep mm-hmm. means have died. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command or a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage 
one another with these words. Mm, that's interesting. Now, why is Paul writing this? What's he trying to like? Is, what's he trying to clear up to okay. the Thessalonians? Well, it, without getting all into the, the details and depths mm. of it, the early church believed that Jesus Christ was coming back to get them. Yeah. Okay. When Jesus left this earth and the disciples were standing there looking up in heaven, two angels appeared to them and said, you men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up in the heaven? This same Jesus that you have seen go up into heaven will come in the same manner as you've seen him going to heaven. He's coming back. So right when Jesus leaves and ascends back to heaven, there is divine affirmation, angelic affirmation that he's coming back. So the early church believed that Jesus Christ was going to come back for them. They believed it was going to happen there in the first century. Yeah. They were looking for him. They would say, Maranatha, our Lord's coming. Mm-hmm. Our Lord's coming. Paul finds out, and I think even Paul thought it was going to happen. I think Paul thought it was going to be soon. Yeah. But Paul got some revelation that that the other writers didn't have. And there has been a lot of confusion about this. And I, I know one prominent pastor whose name I won't say, but has he's a very prominent pastor. He's a TV guy, pastors a big mega church in Texas, and we'll leave it at that. He he believes that that this event is going to happen, but that it's going to just be one coming, one coming. Jesus Christ is going to come back, and everything's going to happen at the same time. It's also called the post-tribulation theory. And by okay. the way, our listeners need to know that, that you and I are pre-tribulation um, believers, which we believe that this rapture event, this catching away, is going to happen prior to the seven years of the tribulation. Yeah, and and we we're talking about. I think we're going to do an episode and talk somewhere about somewhere down the road, pre-trib, yeah. mid-trib, post-trib, and and look at at all three mm-hmm. of them. So Paul gets caught up to the third heavens and gets this revelation from God. He gets mysteries. There are two mysteries. One mystery that he shows is the church. Because the believers initially were Jewish believers. Then you had some Samaritan believers that came in. Then you mm-hmm. started having Gentiles that come in. Yeah. What Paul had to say to people and help them understand is that this the church is not a Jewish group with some Gentiles sprinkled in, but it is the redemption of Jewish believers and Gentile believers into one body called the church. Mm-hmm. And that there is no partition, there is no separation, there is no sectionalism, okay, it's one body. Yeah. And this was very critical so that they would understand that uh, that, that, that there is this universal grouping of people together. And the crazy thing is they hated each other. Yeah. So God saves them. They hated each other. Now they love each other and they come together in one body. The second mystery that Paul has shown, we're going to use that word in just a minute, mm-hmm. another verse, is that um, there was going to be uh, uh, two comings of the Lord. And this is where sometimes there's a confusion. But we don't have the time to get into it all today. But there is sort of a two. I don't like to say there are two comings. I like to say there are two parts to the coming. Just yeah. like a, a a a play has Act One, Act Two. I think this is Act One, and then Act Two is yeah. is when Jesus comes back. And so, what's going to happen is that that Jesus Christ, the, the the early church. Let me go back. The early church was looking for his coming. Paul realizes. Okay, there's there's more to it than just him coming back and he's going to set up his kingdom upon this earth. There, there's this church age, and this church age has to end. And the thing that ends it is this rapture snatching mm-hmm. up. So Paul is kind of touching on all this, trying to get them to understand that about this coming. They had had people who had died, mm-hmm. so that was concerning them because everybody thought, okay, he's coming back any day. 
Well, they're wondering what's happening to those who have passed on. Right. People start dying in the church and like, where are they? Okay. Paul says, well, they're in heaven. Uh, Well, they're in heaven, but yet we're here. When are we Mm -hmm. all going to get together? And so Paul had to address that to try to help him to see here's what's going to take place. Yeah. So that's why Paul starts off. And I think this would almost be going worth going through almost verse by verse or, you know, section by section. I think it's interesting. Paul starts out. He says, "We don't want you to be uninformed. Like I, I want you to know what's going on, um, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope." So I think it's interesting too that that as we begin to talk about the rapture, the rapture is our hope. That this world and the troubles of this world and everything that we experience um, is not the end. But there there is a time when Jesus is coming back, and two. Even if you've passed on, even if you've died, um, if you've had family members who have died, everyone's going to be reunited. And so I think it's interesting, too, um, that that Paul's saying that you may not grieve as others do. So Paul says that Paul doesn't say that you're not going to grieve or maybe even that it's going to be better, but you will grieve different because we have this hope that we're going to be reunited and raptured again. That the dead will rise first and then you will be raptured with them. How many times have you and I as pastors here at High Praises Church been with members who have lost a loved one, mm-hmm. and we're there to console them and comfort them and minister to them? More times than I'll ever be able to count, I've had people look at me and say, I know I miss them. They may have tears in their eyes, but they say, you know what? I know where they are. They were ready to go. Yep. We had a conversation before they died, and they assured me that Jesus Christ was their Savior, and they were ready to go home. And I know where my mother is. I know where my dad is. I know where my son is. And I'm going to see him again one day. They're grieving, but they have hope that they're going to see them again. Yeah. Because they know where they are. They know they're in heaven. Yeah. So that's exactly right. I think yeah. the next verse, too, ties in the death and resurrection of Jesus with this event. Yep. Jesus died and rose again, which means he conquered death. And there is a resurrection. He was the first fruits. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be a resurrection for those of us who die. Mm-hmm. But we're going to come back to life, just as Jesus did. So that's the basis of the hope. It's not some made-up story. It's based on the reality of Jesus' death. Acting on our behalf because of what he did through dying and rise again, that's our hope. Yeah. Exactly right. So there's a basis for the hope founded in the actual work of Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay, And then he gets start getting into the meat of it because they were wanting to know what's the chronological order and how's this thing going to play out. And so what he says to them is that, and, and I love this, we declare to you by by a word from the Lord. So Paul's not making this up. This is divine revelation. Yeah. Okay, a word from the Lord. All right, so you can count on this. He said, we're not going to precede those who have fallen asleep because they were afraid that the people who are asleep, you know, they know their bodies were buried in a grave and, I, and they were trying to understand that their spirits were in heaven. But they were, they were really afraid that what was going to happen is that Jesus was going to come back and and get them, but then their loved ones were going to be left behind. They just didn't know what the answer was. Yeah. So here's the answer. He said, we're not going to precede it. He said, here's what's going to take place. He said, the moment and the day when this happens, Jesus Christ himself will descend from heaven. That's where he is right now. Mm-hmm. He's at the right hand of the Father. But the day when the rapture comes takes place, Jesus is going to step over the battlements of glory, and he's going to come down into this atmosphere of this earth, planet earth. Yeah. He's not going to send an angel. He's not going to send Michael. He's not going to send Gabriel. He's not going to send the Apostle Paul. He's not going to send Moses. Nobody else. Jesus, it's his church. We are his church. 
We are his bride, and he's coming back for his bride. He paid the price. He shed the blood to purchase our redemption. He he has been our intercessor all these years, and he's coming back for us. That is exciting. Yeah, it is. And it says that he's coming back, and it says that he will descend from heaven with a shout or with a cry of command. And I don't know what that is, but it's going to be loud. I, I, I know how loud it is when some people – I know some people, that are, they're loudmouths. They have a big, <laughs> booming voice. But can you imagine what it's going to sound like when Jesus Can you imagine cries? The, the earth essentially stopping? Everyone stops what they're doing and just looks up. Everybody. It, it, it's, it's just one of those – now we're in the supernatural realm, and that's yeah. what this is. It's supernatural. And I don't know what he's going to say. Here I come. Get ready. <laughs> rise. Yeah. I, I don't know what he's going to say. It's time. Here comes the bride. Uh, but somebody said it's going to be a shout so loud it'll raise the dead. Yeah. Okay. But he's going to give this unbelievable shout. You're right. It may be heard worldwide. Mm-hmm. Okay. With the with the with the voice of the Lord, uh, with the cry of the shout. It says with the voice of an archangel. And so we don't know which angel it is, the archangel, and we don't know what they're going to say. But mm-hmm. there's going to be an angelic cry. So Jesus comes with a shout. It may just be a shout of a joy. Yeah. And then the the angel may say, Here comes the Lord, the bridegroom comes, mm-hmm. because that's in the Bible. We don't know. But it, it, again, I think it's going to be a voice, an angelic voice that can be heard around the world. Yeah. So we're talking about a tremendously supernatural event. And then it says with the the sound of the trumpet call of God, the call of God. And all my life, Evan, I have heard, and they've, there's songs that have been written, that Gabriel has a horn a trumpet, and he's going to blow the trumpet of the yeah. horn. I don't know where that came from. Gabriel is one of the archangels in the yeah. Bible. But that's not what the Bible says. Now, we could have fun and say that God the Father has a horn, so he has a trumpet. <laughs> God the Father's all the trumpet players out there getting excited right you now. You look like God. <laughs> but, yeah, but what we understand is that the voice of God has the sound of a trumpet. Mm-hmm. And there are other scriptures that says, I heard the voices with the sound of a trumpet. Okay. And John said that in John chapter 4. I heard a voice with a sound like a trumpet that said, come up hither, come mm. up here, which almost seems like a type of the rapture. Yeah. Okay? And so God the Father is going to say something, and it'll sound like a trumpet. So there is going to be this loud sound exclamation from heaven filling the earth. Mm. Okay? And then when that takes place, here's what happens next. And Paul said, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, I have given this thought for years, and I may not have it right. There are some things we just have to conjecture. When you die, your spirit goes to heaven, but mm-hmm. your body goes in the earth. So if you've been you've died and your body is in a casket in the ground in a cemetery, that's where it stays. But your spirit is in heaven. Somehow that spirit is identifiable. So if I died went up there and you were up there before me, I could see you and know mm-hmm. that you were my son. You were Evan, a star. But I don't have a glorified body yet. Yeah. So it may be some kind of a spiritual body. It has a, a form. Some sort of expression of yourself. Of, of yourself, your but yet not a corporeal body that has been glorified. Yeah. Okay. So, again, these are things that we're trying to understand. I used to think, you know, I tried to figure this. So does that mean that when Jesus comes, all the spirit, all the people in heaven, okay, I've got four grandparents up there. I've got an uncle. I've got a zillion church members that have died, gone on to be with mm-hmm. the Lord. Okay, they're going to come back with Jesus when he comes. 
So I used to think, so what's going to happen? The spirit of my grandfather is going to come down into the cemetery in Spartanburg where his body is buried, and is he going to go down into that casket and then come, and out. Then come out? Well, I got to thinking of you. For years, I thought maybe that's what's going to happen. I thought, I don't want to be in a casket if even it's for a split second. <laughs> so that may happen, and it may not. But I got to thinking it may be that the body will come out of the casket. And meet the spirit. It'll be glorified in mm. the casket. It'll be formed, reformed, because, you know, it's decayed. Mm-hmm. All right? So there'll be a, a reforming. There has to be a forming of a glorified body. Think of bo- people who've died in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Okay, you say, what about people who've been cremated? Somehow God can take the molecules that once were and have been dispersed throughout the universe and bring them all back together in into the body that was, even if it's been cremated, even if it was burned in a fire by an mm-hmm. accident. It doesn't matter. God will recreate that body, glorify it, which means it will be uh, immortal and it'll be incorruptible. It'll mm-hmm. never get sick, never get hurt, and it'll never die. It'll yeah. live forever. And I think he'll create that body, and then that body dematerializes and comes through that casket, and then the spirit comes into that body. And now that body becomes alive. Okay. Wow. And then that's going to happen all over the globe. So will the caskets come out? Maybe not. Maybe the caskets will stay there. Well, but they might. Maybe the caskets will burst open and burst open. It might be a, a good visual representation to the world of what's just went down. It could be. I don't know. There are details that we don't know. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is the spirit man comes back into this glorified body. And comes in it, and now there's that connecting with my old body, but now it's glorified, and now I have my you know the spirit in the body, but now it's glorified, and it's like Jesus, and and now that's all on earth, right? Yeah. Okay. And so it says that the the the, the, the dead in Christ, and the, so all those people now they're people, bodies rise up into the sky. So they were there, but now there's a rejoining, mm-hmm. and they come back up into the sky. To be back with Jesus, but now they have their glorified bodies. Mm. Okay, so that there is evidence that the resurrection did take place. Yeah. Right? Then we who are alive and remain, Paul says, we who are left will be caught up, snatched up. Yep. Raptured. Raptured together with them, with the ones that just. So they're going to go up, and, and at the same time. So say our listeners, the rapture takes place. All this is happening in a split second. You're going to be. Instantly transformed. So your body will become a glorified body. Wow. Now, who's doing this? In the, is, this is your body glorified by the Holy Spirit? Is, would, is that what you would say? I would think so because the, the resurrection power is the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The, the same, the same, it says the same spirit that resurrected Jesus yeah. will also resurrect your mortal body. Yeah. So why not? Because the, the Holy Spirit is the executor of the Godhead. Why not it be his work? So yeah. he is glorifying their corrupted bodies, and I think he takes our live bodies and glorifies them. Absolutely. Okay? And it, they're changed, okay? So it's still me, but now this flesh cannot have cancer. Mm-hmm. This My heart cannot have heart disease. My arteries can't clog. I can't get rheumatoid arthritis. Um, I can't get any disease, and I can't die. You could shoot me with a bullet. It's going to bounce off of me. Yeah. I'll never die. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be immortal. And so— I'll be changed, you'll be changed, we'll be changed, 
and then we will we will rise on the up there like Superman. <laughs> we will begin to rise off of this earth, and then with us will be. So I'll see possibly. May not, because if they come out of the grave in Spartanburg and I'm over here in Anderson, I'm not going to see them. But we're all going to rise together into this one point, this meeting point in the sky where Jesus is. Mm. So think of millions upon millions of every believer that there has ever been and presently is will all be glorified rising up into the atmosphere, the stratosphere. We can breathe because we have glorified bodies, so the lack of oxygen, we're not going to get matter, cold, yeah. we're not going to suffocate, because right now an astronaut has to have an oxygen tank and whatever. Uh, we will come up through, and then in that, from there, we will go with Jesus out of this physical universe into that spirit world of heaven, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we will go to be with the Lord into heaven, and we will go together to be in heaven. Now we'll deal with this, and I hope we really do the preacher, mid-trip, poster mm-hmm. thing. There, there are people who think that it's not going to happen that way. But you have the seven years of tribulation. We won't get into this, but you have the seven years of tribulation, and then, and then the millennial reign. I personally believe, and we'll talk about this more when we do this another. Yeah. But I personally believe that this event is necessary because the church age is something unique. Okay, God's economy has always been with national Israel. But then Jesus comes and now's the church age. It is not with the national, it is with spiritual Israel, which are both Jewish and mm-hmm. Gentile believers in Christ. But that church age will end and then God picks up his economy with Israel and which is the tribulation, which is Daniel's 70th week. He told Daniel there are 70 weeks that have been ordained or established for you and your people, which were the Jews. So God's going to pick up his economy with Israel. Israel's going to hear the gospel. Much, much of national Israel will be saved. Mm. All right? Plus, God pours out his wrath upon the sinful people left on this earth. So some people want to put the church through the tribulation period. I think it doesn't fit the program where God's economy, the church age, has a beginning, but that it has an ending, and he takes us to heaven. There's also two other reasons, and we'll, these, will, these will be rehashed some point down the road when we talk about pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. But you have to have the marriage supper of the Lamb, and there's also the Bema judgment where we are rewarded for the works that we've done for Christ. Mm-hmm. There has to be a time for that to take place. And so I think that's what happens. And so we're caught up to heaven, and there's a grand and glorious reunion of millions of us reuniting and meeting new people and meeting the saints of old and Lord standing in the presence of Jesus himself. What a worship time and celebration Mm -hmm. we will have. And I think there'll be a preparation period for when we return and we rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. So I see this as absolutely necessary and chronologically. I see this as something that must take place, but think about what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. I know it's going to be insane. Before we get to that, I want to ask a couple questions. One, like actually serious, and one just exploring it. One, why do you think the dead in Christ rise first? Paul seems to make Paul seems to be very clear about the order. Does the order have any sort of theological significance? Why do you think specifically the dead in Christ shall rise first, rather than say we go to the clouds and then we watch the dead rise? I, I, you know, I don't know that there really is one. I mean, it just may be what God's determined to do. Um, but there is, there are, 
many scriptures that talk about the resurrection. You know, mm. Jesus said, I am the one of the seven I am statements of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall mm. he live. And that one day the graves will open and the righteous for their reward and the, the wicked for their punishment. And, um, and by the way, you know, this concept that there are, there are two parts to the, to the, to the resurrection rapture, you know, people say, I don't, you know, I'm having trouble with that. Only one coming of Jesus, the parousia, you know, when he comes mm-hmm. back, well, there are multiple stages of the resurrection. I mean, there's a resurrection of the wicked later at the end at the great white throne judgment. There's a resurrection at the rapture. There's a resurrection of the tribulation saints. At yeah. some point they've got to be glorified. Yeah. At the end of the tribulation. So if you study the scriptures, there are many acts of the Bible that, that may be one event, but they have multiple stages. Okay. So I don't know why the dead in Christ rise first. Yeah. It just may be because that is a little bit more involved. It may be because people would say, I'm worried. You know, if, if, if I think maybe Paul, Paul was saying, and is, is that you don't have to worry about your, your loved ones who go on and be with the Lord. They're coming back. You're going to yeah. see them. We're all going to be together. I think that's what he's trying Just to tell Just more of them. an emphasis. Like, they'll even be the first ones. They'll be the like, first they're ones. Gonna, yeah, they're yeah. coming back. Two, when, as, as we head up into the clouds, do you take that ultra literally? Like, for instance, if, I, if I'm in an airplane, does my body burst through the top, leaving a gaping hole? And the airplane goes crashing down as all the air sucked out of it? Or do I, in a sense, really dematerialize even though I'm in a body? I think you dematerialize. I don't know. Somebody might say, okay, you guys sound like you're on the sci-fi channel. Now I'm just asking goofy but questions. But it's not. There's it, a biblical, like, all right, the de- dematerialization concept. That's a biblical concept. And let me t- tell you why. When Jesus died and they buried him with all those spices and wrapped his body. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. When John and Peter went in the tomb... The, the cloths, the burial cloths, were still laying on the slab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was as if his body came back to life and dematerialized through the cloths and the pounds, because there was probably 100 pounds or more of spices weighing him down, whatever. It just dematerialized and poop. They just fell on the, they just fell on the, the slab and then he came up out, out through them. And, but he took the napkin that was around his head and he folded it and placed it to another place. That's which, crazy. Which I think is so cool. So the concept and, and, and dematerializing, Jesus has this glorified body after the post the post resurrection appearances. He didn't have to open a door; he just dematerialized and went through the door. He just popped in the room where the disciples were and say, "Hey, hey, <laughs> that's crazy." So there is that concept of the glorified body being unlimited by material mm. boundaries. So yeah, I think you're in the plane. You just dematerialize and go through it, and God brings you through. Just like if I'm thinking that He can dematerialize the the dead body through the casket or the mausoleum mm-hmm. to where the spirit can join, then I think He can glorify your body instantly, so that your glorified body now comes out through that plane, dematerializes through the, the through the the fabric of the plane, and and, uh, and then you're caught up. And if you're in a plane, you're already ahead of everybody else. Yeah, I mean, you're closer. If you're 30,000 feet in the air, you're kind of closer than everybody else. I just like thinking through stuff like this. Like, there's 100% going to be plenty of funerals in which the viewing just started. And then, bam, that dude just comes up out of the casket, and they're they're kind of freaking out. Or people on surgical tables getting work done, their insides are open, and then it just closes up, and they're going out. There's going to be somebody who just died. Like somebody just got done like stabbing somebody or shooting them. I know that's graphic, but they, I mean, as soon as they die, bam, and they just come out. 
That How wild is, is that going to be? That is just like so graphic. Like I'm just, <laughs> Sorry. I'm just sitting here in shock right it's now too. Like... But you know what? You're absolutely right. The chances are high that there may be cases like that. Yeah. Which is like that's just going to be kind of kind of nuts. Like that's just going to be wild to me. So, anyways, that's going to be awesome. And I think closing out for, with First Thessalonians, and, and we can move on to our se- second scripture of how he ends. Therefore, encourage one another with these words that at the end of the day, this is our hope. Um, and this is a genuine source of encouragement, and um, that that we really are able to grieve differently. Differently, we have hope, we have encouragement um, in some really difficult times. That this is our end. So whether you've lost a loved one, or at the end of the day, if life's just getting hard, at you know, th- this life isn't all there is, and yep. thankfully we have deliverance from that heading our way at some point. This isn't yeah. as good as it gets. Exactly. It gets better. It gets better. Now, there's uh, one other passage that goes into great detail on the rapture. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. It says this, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now, that's a long passage, a lot that we can break down there. Um, But I think first start out, he says, I tell you this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Why does he start off with the negative? Why does he say, excuse me, flesh and blood can't inherit it, the perishable cannot inherit imperishable? Why does he make that distinction just to start out with? Well, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God, and Paul is thinking, I think, eschatologically here, or in uh, things about the last times. Mm -hmm. And so we're not talking about the kingdom of God now, which is spiritual. I think he has in mind the literal millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So to be part of that kingdom of God where you're ruling and reigning under that paradigm, it is the reign of the glorified saints, and Paul knows this. And so that's why he's saying you cannot do this in the present state that you are mm-hmm. with with mere flesh and blood. It has to be glorified flesh and blood. Yeah. It has to be this kingdom is imperishable. It will not perish. It won't be it won't it's it's not going to be corrupt. You know, we talk about corruption in the government. There'll be no corruption in this government. Mm-hmm. It, it this kingdom is eternal. It's an unshakable, unmovable kingdom that will last forever. Death can't reign in this kingdom. No. So you have to have imperishable. Well, and if you're going to rule and reign with the Lord, which is the promise, mm-hmm. the Revelation 1, we've been made priests and kings, mm-hmm. and we will rule and reign with him. So if you're going to reign forever, you have to have a body that lives forever. Yeah, exactly. Okay? So that's what he's trying to set up, that we are going to rule and reign with Christ. We're going to live with him for eternity. So something's got to happen to these bodies. 
So he says, let me tell you what's going to happen, and it's a mystery. And let me just talk about that. Behold, I tell you or show you a mystery. Mm -hmm. The word mystery in the Bible is not like a mystery novel, like we say a mystery. We don't know what it is. There are questions. We don't have answers. It's the opposite. Whenever the word mystery is used, it is a... It is about a truth that was previously hidden but has now been revealed. Exactly. So Paul is giving us something that before was not known, but now he's got the revelation and he's going to give it. Mm -hmm. So again, we shall not all sleep. That's talking about death. Yeah. But we shall all be changed. So we already talked about this from the Thessalonians 4 passage. Exactly. But let's just give what Paul, the details Paul gives that elaborates. He says it's going to happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Well, mm. we, well, we already know. We already talked about the trumpet. That's the trumpet call of God. Yep. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. We shall be changed. So we know that's going to be that trumpet voice sound of God. All right. But he says it's going to happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. If you, if our, all of our listeners right now would just consciously bat your eyes. Just blink. Blink. Blink, bat your eyes. Okay. That's fast. Yeah. All right. But when five minutes from now you do it subconsciously, it's even faster. Yeah. When you think about it, it's fast. You're looking for it. But if if we clocked it with a with a high speed camera and you did it without thinking, it's even faster. That's how quick this event is going to take place. Mm. Now, how are you going to be able to process all of that? Like, imagine trumpet comes back, shouts some stuff. People coming to the sky all up in a all in a blink. In a blink. That's hard for me to like process. How how do you even take all that in? Well, you take it in post event. You look and you say, Good, <laughs> oh, good my Lord. <laughs> I've been changed. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so that's that's what's gonna happen and it's the new reality. Mm-hmm. It's the new reality. Okay, it's the new normal. Yeah. And it's gonna be awesome. And so it's gonna be a fast event. Yep. And that's why people say, Well, you know what, I, I I'll get saved. I'll get saved one of these days. I'll get right with God. This event that's going to happen that will end this church age and thrust, I think it will thrust. I think this event will initiate the tribulation period, by the way. And we could talk about that one day. But I really believe that when the rapture takes place and the church age ends, that event alone worldwide will kick in mass hysteria. The stock markets will crash. Um the the the, tra- the 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 rapture alone, the resurrection, Evan, could decimate the United States of America. You mm-hmm. have a lot of people in America. I know our country's in a pitiful state spiritually. I know we're a post Christian nation, but you still have millions of people in this country who are born again believers. Yeah, and they they live for Jesus and serve Jesus. Their faith is in Jesus. And so, if you lose a quarter of the population, we haven't even talked about this. There is. Obviously, there are more questions than our answers. I personally think that that babies and children will be raptured. Absolutely, yeah. I really do believe. Mm-hmm. I believe that babies and children will be raptured. Yeah. And we don't have time to get into that whole argument. There is a good, sound, solid argument for that. If what God told Moses in the Old Testament is applicable in this time, that if you're 20 years of age or younger, somewhere right in there, I'm trying to think what the age was, the, the the children who were the children of Israel, the, their children who he said don't know the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. And he said the adults wouldn't trust me, so they wandered around the wilderness and died. He said your children who, who don't know the difference between right or wrong, they've all grown up now. I'm going to take them in the promised land. And I think at the end of the day, if your faith is 
con- or if your salvation is conditioned on faith, which we talked about in our Wesley and Arminian two part, if you're not able to have a fully formed, mature, real, honest faith, it, it, you can't. I don't, I don't think you can be judged for that. Well, exactly. And so again, that's a whole other subject. Yeah, yeah, but I yeah. still firmly believe. It could be that it could be all the way up to teenagers. Mm-hmm. It could be up to 19, 20-year-olds. Again, I'm speculating, okay? So if you disagree with me, that's fine. I'm just speculating. I'm just offering options, what could be. But think about if you lose, or just say every child. Let's say you just say up to 12. That mm-hmm. makes it, some people out here feel better who's listening. Let's just say up to 12. Every, everybody up to 12 years gone, all right? You're just going to decimate this country. And parents are going to be pulling their hair out and dying and just going crazy, and people are going to be going crazy. It's going to wreak Havoc just in America. Don't and, and your last beacon of righteousness is gone. Oh yeah, yeah. And so that I think will kick in um, the tribulation mm-hmm. period. So this event, um, uh, you know, we talk about the importance of it. I think it's it's that kind of of thing um, that that uh, b- brings in ultimately. It's that preparation and getting us mm-hmm. out to 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 be in the presence of the Lord to come back. Yeah. Anyway, we, we we've got off, but. Um, he says the trumpet will sound, and we shall be changed. And he uses two key words: perishable bubble body and immortal body will put on imperishable and immortality. Now, what's the difference? So, so mortal to immortal, speaking specifically, specifically that we can't die. Right. To me, perishable or corruptible or whatever speaks to human, common human deficiencies, sickness. Whatever else, sadness, you know, depression, anything like that is gone. Physical, neurological, mental, physiological things that are will go wrong with this present body cannot happen to the glorified body. Seems to me like this is just like my picture. Would you say we'd probably be robed in light or in some some sort of way? Obviously not to the glory of God. Like I picture like an all white sort of glowing type glorification. And then immediately all sorrow or anything else. We'll is get gone. you a white onesie yeah. jumpsuit, Evan, that you can wear. Uh, yes. and just walk around it. Well, I'm thinking too, like people. I, I, I don't know. I just like I exploring don't, this. Think, I, think about somebody who's still alive, and and maybe they've they've lost both of their legs. They were in a war or something like that. As soon as they hit glorification, like all of that's growing. Well, back. they have legs. Somebody yeah. who's been stuck in a depression immediately feels. A, a a joy and a gladness. Oh, no more depression. Fell. And yeah. if somebody's listening right now that battles depression, depression is a very real struggle for some people. And it's mm-hmm. very real. Uh, be encouraged today that one of these days, keep serving Jesus. Yeah. Don't give up because one of these days, no more depression. I, I love, ever ever again. I love that that we preach healing and I and I believe for supernatural healing on the earth. But the good news is that God's promised healing for everybody, whether it's going to be now or whether it's going to be in the future. We will, will all receive our healing through this incorruptibility and forever. Exactly. So it'll be a body that cannot, I don't think your bones can be broken. Nope. You can't die in a car wreck. Uh, if somebody walks up to me point blank and shoot, points a gun at me, it won't, it won't hurt me. It's just, it, you're at a point like the angels of heaven. You can't, you can't die. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to think about this, this is incredible, uh, that, that we will have this, this state of being, okay? And what Paul says from there on at that point is when all that takes place, this is wonderful. Death is swallowed up in the victory. So I'll never die. Yep. You'll never die. De- death can't touch me anymore. Yeah. Okay? 
And that's why the writer, looking forward into the future, said, oh, death, where's your sting, oh, grave, or death, where's your victory? You don't have one. I mean, you get me now, but I'll just go to heaven, then I'm going to come back and get a glorified yeah. body. You you can't touch me ever, ever again. Just think about it, because death is the great fear that we have. I was about to say, can we talk about the importance of death? Because I feel like even Paul like breaks that down after he mentions that verse. He says, um, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul kind of breaks that down. So what kind of combined together the connection between death and sin and the law and Jesus. Why is death such a, a, a important consequence of sin? What role does it play? you got to go all the way back to Genesis and the creation of Adam we were made to live. We were made for life. And believe it or not, we were made to live eternally. Mm-hmm. You know, why didn't Adam go eat the fruit of the tree of eternal life? Yeah. Why didn't he eat it? I mean, if he'd ate it, we, he could live forever. You th- do you think maybe it was sectioned off for a portion until no, it was there. his faith was... I don't know. It was in the middle of the garden. He had access to every other fruit tree. Mm. I mean, they had the tree of knowledge, good and evil. Eve ate it. But why not the tree of life? Of course, God, yeah. And now when you think about it, God actually kicked them out of the garden because he believed they had access to it and didn't want them to at that point now that humanity was fallen. He didn't want humanity to stay in sin Mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. Okay, so the grace of God removing them from the garden was the grace of God to keep them from being stuck in sin forever, and he wanted to create a way for them to get out. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was ultimately through Jesus Christ. But death became the result of sin. Yeah. And the day that you eat of the fruit, you shall surely die. Death and is humanity's greatest foe. It, it is. Seems like. The yeah. wages of sin is death. That is the foe. And it's a fearful foe. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's not a foe that we can defeat. So that's why this is so important that in the rapture and the resurrection, death is ultimately defeated. Yeah. And in the kingdom of God, when ultimately the great white throne judgment takes place, and everybody ends up in their eternal resting place, sinners, like we talked about last time, the podcast mm-hmm. in hell, the righteous eternally in heaven. Um, death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire. Yeah, they're like the last to go. Yeah, death will be thrown into the into hell. Death will die. Death will die, <laughs> if you will, and uh, forever, yeah. an eternal death, because that's why hell is, the, the Gehenna hell is called, the, the lake of fire is called the second death. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I asked, Somebody one time, and I know I mess with you guys sometimes. We're sitting around. How do you know we won't? How do you know there won't be sin again in heaven in eternity? You know, Satan sinned in heaven and messed up. And how do we know there won't be sin again and and heaven disrupted? You know, when we're all glorified. And one of the answers is the wages of sin is death. And if death is thrown in the lake of fire and there's no more Mm. death, then that automatically says that there's no more sin. It's gone. And that's why he says the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Mm. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And one of these days, there'll be we won't have to worry about sin or sinning or transcending the law of God or trespassing or dying in our sins. That'll all be gone. Yeah. And we'll be glorified in these bodies and we will live forever and serve God in righteousness and holiness for all of eternity. Wow. Wow. And that's why he said, brothers, be steadfast now. So that's mm-hmm. in the future. But yeah. if you want to get there, 
You better be steadfast in serving God. Yep. You better be immovable in Don't your faith. Yep. Don't go back into sin and just keep abounding in the work of the Lord. Keep serving God. Keep working for God because your labor's not in vain. It's going to pay off. Because you've got an eternity. What you do now will carry on because yeah. you're going to live forever. If somebody right now is thinking about backsliding or you're being tempted by the devil and sin and you've been toying with sin, listen to me. Stop it right now. And get your eyes on mm-hmm. Jesus, and get your eyes on future, yep. and say, "I got to, I got to be strong now. I got to serve God now. Forget this stuff. If you need to, if you need to break up a relationship with yeah. somebody who's pulling you down, do it right now. Yeah, unfriend them. Don't take their calls. Block their calls. Don't go out with them anymore. Whatever you got to do, uh, serve God because it is worth it. The present sufferings of this world is incomparable to the glory and to the hope that we have." In Jesus, no matter what happens to you, no matter what could be going down, don't turn your back on God. Absolutely, your 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 future, your hope, our final our our final place is one of conquering sin and death, and this is going to be worth it. I know it's hard, but think about this: if the average person lives to seventy five, seventy five years of some struggle and some hardships or whatever, whatever is incomparable to an eternity. With Jesus, make it through this life. Serve Jesus with everything you can. That this short time period here on Earth doesn't even doesn't even hold a candle to eternity. Yep, with and I, I, I want to say one more thing, and it's going to be kind of negative. I don't mean to be negative, but it's it's got to be said. It's just got to be said. For those of us who are believers, this is a this is a glorious event. This mm-hmm. is exciting. This is man, we party over this. We get excited, okay, and we ought to. We have a right to. But if you're listening, maybe you're listening and you just have to be a sinner or you're a backslider and you're living in sin, let me tell you something. If right now you're listening to this podcast and 10 seconds from my voice, Jesus comes back and you are left behind. Okay, you don't go in the rapture. You're not ready. You're going to go through the tribulation period and you are going to miss out and you have no idea how bad it's going to be. And I'm telling you right now, you... Do not want to do that. And the day the rapture takes place, there are going to people be screaming, crying. There'll be wrecks on the interstate because cars will just suddenly have no drivers, tractor trailers. Um, if you have a co- pilot and a co-pilot, I guess the planes will crash. I mean, yeah. there's just – you could – buses are going to crash. Uh, think about the police force being deleted, all the believers, the, the military, the firefighters, the EMTs, the nurses, the doctors – there may not be enough nurses and doctors to treat people in the hospitals. The, the stock market will crash. Um, the, the economy will go south. There'll be looting in the streets. Um, teachers will be gone. If the kids are gone, it's going to be chaos. And here's the be- the, the worst part. The, the part, God forbid, and say best part. The, the worst part, but the part that sticks out to me the most. Every church in America will be slam packed full. Mm. People be the, the part, you know, we're, we're here at high praises right now. Every, I'm looking out the window, every parking space, they'll be in the grass. Yeah. They'll be, and they'll, they'll bust the, if the doors are not locked that day, they'll bust the doors in. People will be in there. They'll be screaming and crying and calling out to God saying, forgive me. Don't leave me. Come back and get me. It's going to be too late. Mm. It's going to be horrible, horrible. And I just say that, I know that that's kind of it, but it's going to happen. That'll happen that day. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying that doesn't have to happen. Yeah. If you serve Jesus and walk in every day, serving the Lord and living for the Lord, when that moment comes, you don't have to worry about that. 
because yeah. you're going to go to be with the Lord forever. Yeah. The rapture really is our hope. All right. Well, we are going to head in um, to our, our last, our final segment where we check out a Babylon B article. Talk about it for just a second. This one cracked me up. This one's funny. Um, it says this. Pastor live streams sermon so congregation won't have to look up from their phones. <laughs> and then the caption says, it's a quote, My sermon on Sunday got 117 likes, 10 wows, and 14 hearts. The spirit was on the move. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. That's so funny because it's just, it's so real. Everybody is addicted to their phone. I'm addicted to my phone. And then now with live stream and everything else, it's like, why be anywhere in person? But the funny thing is that the picture is a, is of everybody sitting in the physical church building, but just looking at their phone, watching so that they the don't pastor have to look up in the same room, in as the same them, room, watching the pastor, which is which is just hilarious. That's pretty creative. Whoever thought about that? Oh and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if some church ends up doing that somewhere. That wouldn't be that wouldn't shock me at all. But I will say this: I know we're having fun with this, but I will say this as a preacher. I have looked out before, and I have seen people on their phones, and I know that people have their Bible on their mm-hmm. phone, and some people take notes. But I have, as I've continued to preach, I have watched, and they're not tapping, and they're not take. They, I have caught people. I don't know what they're doing if they're reading their emails, if they're on ESPN, oh, yeah, Instagram articles, or on Facebook. But I'm telling you, as a preacher, it has been distracting to me. Like, I'm up there preaching, and preachers, we can have two dual tracks going on. We're we're saying things that are in the front of our brain as we're preaching our points, but we also, in the back of our brain, we're thinking about— and I, I have, I've struggled. I'm thinking of one guy in particular. He would, he would do it often, mm. and he just happened to sit in a place where I couldn't help but see him. Yeah. And it bugged me. I mean, it bothered—I I, I almost went to him. Because I wanted to know you are distracting me, man. Yeah. If you can't wait thirty five minutes for my sermon, and you can't, or, you know, I wonder. I said, are you. I wanted to ask him, are you doing this on purpose? <laughs> you know, what are you trying to make a point? What are you doing? So, if for all of you who want to consider getting your phone in church, don't. <laughs> Unless it's the Bible. Unless it's the Bible, you're taking notes. Now, would you rather a sleeper or somebody on their phone? I think a sleeper because they may have worked third shift. I can make an excuse for them. To be honest, sleepers make me laugh. I saw a guy, as I was preaching the other Sunday, uh, he had his head back and mouth open. Oh, his, I've gone. seen the mouth open. The <laughs> mouth open, that's bad. Evan, you must have been a boring preacher, man. Yeah, probably was. He was an older gentleman, so I was like, okay, you might just be struggling a little bit. Might be on medication. Yeah, Could you be never a know. lot of things. You got to get passes. You never know. And then the funniest thing is just, I know we're off topic now, but people's faces. Like, you would think they'd like have developed a like, social maturity now, but there will be people who just, they give you the weirdest face, and then they'll come up and tell you good job afterwards, but they just give you this face like they're just... I, I'm not even here right now. <laughs> yeah, just the blank stare, yeah, the deer just headlight stare. You up. Yeah, yeah, I've had to, ha- and that'll mess you up too because you're like, oh my gosh, what, what they, am I doing? What wrong? am I doing wrong? What are they thinking? And yeah, it's yeah. So hey, all of you listening, so you're, we're giving you cues to ha- how you can help make things easier for your pastor when he's preaching. Phone up, creepy smile the whole time, eye contact, yeah. don't sleep. Anyways, <laughs> and don't give me the. I, I was checking for holes in the back of my eyelids for a few minutes. Yeah, line. 
<laughs> no, you are. You were sleeping while I was preaching. Oh, that's hilarious. And then they'll they'll just say, "Well, maybe you need to do a better job." <laughs> I, well, I always tell them, "I'm going to come down there and, and get right in your ear and then shout, say yeah. something really loud." <laughs> Or lay hands on you. <laughs> That's funny. Anyways, technology's good, but just use it somewhere else. Right. Not in church. That's funny. All right. Well, hey, we hope that you enjoyed today's episode. We hope it encouraged you, uh, in, informed you, maybe got you thinking uh, about the rapture, got you asking some some weird questions, maybe some funny questions. I know I do when we get on, on topics like that. But we really do hope um, that it helped you. As always, subscribe, rate, review, send it to somebody who needs this podcast. We hope that it's helping you. Um, We're having a whole lot of fun. We can't wait to see you next week.